national champions. They also have the state's greatest fan appreciation weekend, and life is good. Hey everyone, this is your host Nick. I am joined tonight by my co-hosts Ben and Sam, and we are here to break down fall camp. We're just about halfway through, just about another week and a half left of fall camp before we get into Georgia Tech prep, and we thought we'd check in, uh, catch up on some of the news and reporting coming out of uh, practice that's taking place on campus as we get excited for the football season. Before we kick in, guys, um, how's your August been? How's your weekend? Well, first, to be fair to the other schools within the state, I think you actually have to win for fans to appreciate you. Um, So not totally their fault, I suppose. Um, Doing good. I think we should dedicate this entire episode to talking about Paul Feinbaum personally. Um, That's what the Tiger Net wants to hear, so we should give it to him. Those comments were just absurd recently but so you know. yeah i mean here's my take on that listen he paul feinbaum speaks to the lowest common denominator and that is low iq sec football fans so don't don't put yourself in that group don't react that's a ref- of course not but he nailed it no and i'm talking yeah i'm not talking to about you i'm talking about if fan, clemson fans in general we no longer need to pay attention to him he's full of hot air and he's just jealous he's he's butthurt um and clemson well, you gotta- is the most dominant team in the country and we've we the torch has been passed and he's becoming um less relevant because of that i don't even think it's that he feels threatened i think that's people who you know think they're think they're clever on twitter and at paul feinbaum it's not that he's butthurt by alabama losing to us in big fashion or threatened by clemson it's that he knows by going after us that our fans will react and it'll get a rise out of people. And you just got to look, he is paid by the amount of eyeballs and listens and views and clicks and everything that, you know, people will give him and his, his platform. So um, you're, you're buying into that. If you want to hear more of that stuff, like continue to react the way we do. Uh, I ignore it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, those excuses aside and that criticism of Dabo's handling of Kelly Bryant and everything else, all of that aside, uh, there actually is football coming, guys. Uh, two weeks from this Thursday, we will kick off against Georgia Tech at Memorial Stadium. Looking forward to that. Um, before we get into this episode and breaking down what we're hearing from camp, uh, wanted to sort of catch up with you guys on the event we attended last Friday. Uh, the Alumni Association sent out, they do this kind of every year. Well, actually, no, they said this is the last year was the first time they did it outside of the the immediate footprint of, you know, Greenville, Charlotte, Atlanta, Charleston. Um, And they started moving to other parts of the country as they realized, you know, that some Clemson fans 
have gotten out of the the south for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're coming to other areas. I think they said they're doing the Midwest around the Louisville game this year. Yeah, it's great. So uh, Tigers on tour uh, came out to the Bay Area. They went to L.A. Um, I think they were in Denver earlier and San Diego, I think, was yesterday. Um, so anyway, uh, they came out and we actually had a number of folks who work for the school, including former players Patrick Sapp from the great 90s teams um, and Richard Hall oh. as well. Yep. Uh, they, those guys came out. And what's great is they also happened to be able to catch up with some of the uh, recent Clemson graduates uh, for the Raiders preseason game. Um, so we, uh, we didn't get any uh, cameos from Klee or Hunter Renfro or Trayvon Mullen, unfortunately. But um, you know, it was great to kind of connect with some former football players live in person. Yeah, no, our, our former, our most recent president of our Northern Cali- California Clemson Club actually got to get on the field for that game and sit in the suite. And I know he got to meet Trayvon's mom and his sister, which is really cool. Uh, they have uh, been instructed that when they're out here for games, they should hop into the boardroom on Saturdays to come watch the game with us. So that will be pretty cool. I think it'd be fun to, to meet some of the, the former players' families. And, uh, you know, we got them out here for a year before the, the Raiders moved to Vegas. Sorry, Sam. Yeah, I'll be okay. But, uh, you know, that that's going to keep me tied to the Raiders going forward is we've got so many Clemson guys, and who knows how many more we'll draft. We'll just uh, have to go to Vegas more often. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to make the trip. Uh, but yeah, the event was cool. It was it was nice to get to talk to you know uh, Richard and to Patrick. Ben got to fanboy a little bit on Patrick and tell him how he was you know his first favorite football player from Clemson that he remembers because Ben's a little bit older and uh, that's when he remembers Clemson football getting started. Uh, but it was it was pretty cool talking with them and um, seeing everybody getting back in the groove of things, getting ready for football season. Yeah, I mean, it was great also. It's just a good time for us to see some new faces in our Clemson club out here. You know, this is about the time every year. Obviously, we're getting back into the football season where some new people pop up. So, you know, people come and go out here on the West Coast. Most of the time, people are drawn back to their roots, primarily in the South or on the East Coast. But uh, it's always exciting to meet new Tiger fans out here in the Bay Area. Yeah, and I just wanted to do a quick shout. I know you mentioned our alumni bar where we watch all the football games. If anyone's out here for work, you got friends coming out here for work, uh, family, et cetera, and it happens to overlap with a Clemson game or really any college football, um, have them hit up our alumni group. We're on Facebook and or you can just pop into the boardroom. It's right in the middle of San Francisco. Uh, really get a good turnout there and love to see visitors coming through. Obviously, we had a ton of people come out for the national championship game. It was really cool to connect with people from all over um, coming in to see it. So uh, yeah, come out and see us. I'll be um, in the bar. <laughs> ben will be there. That's right. Uh, are you paying rent there yet, Ben? Is that like your second place? Um, I think rent comes in form of uh, my elevated tips that I give the bartenders there for taking such good care of us as Clemson fans. I also get my fair uh, share of free drinks. Um, so that uh, generosity um, does not go unnoticed, and I really appreciate that. Nice. Uh, very good. Well, uh I guess we can pivot there, guys, back to the football team in this season. Um, great to read all the nuggets coming out of fall camp. Um, the team this past Saturday had its first uh, scrimmage. So uh, first team offense, first team defense matched up in Death Valley. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to join that one live. Maybe we need to fix that for next year, boys. Um, although August, South Carolina is super hot. We, we feel for all y'all. But um, anyway, news coming out of this one, um, definitely some good highlights. 
really what I'd like to do in this show is talk to you guys about from what we're reading and understanding, has anything changed about our, our expectations for any of the position battles, um, any of the freshmen coming on to uh, stand out you know, more than what we thought um, and really examine kind of our feeling about you know, where things are leading into that, the final two deep um, heading into the season. So um, that's kind of the, let's call that the thesis for this show is exploring that a bit. Um, no better place to start, I guess, than on the defense where the most question marks exist. So uh, Ben, I might throw it to you just in terms of what you're reading. Um, has anyone really stood out on the defense yet thus far in terms of maybe what we thought we were going to get uh, within the two deep or from any of the incoming freshmen? Well, I think the obvious place to start is the defensive line, considering how much attrition there was uh, coming into this season. You know, you're losing your top five guys uh, across the board there. Um, but we do have a lot of talented uh, guys in the coffers. You know, you got Jordan Williams, you got Niles Pinckney, or who right up there at uh, the defensive tackle position. But man, Tyler Davis, true freshman, has really come on and turned heads. I think he's going to stand to play significant playing time this year, it looks like he's starting to close the gap even uh, with, with Williams and Pinckney. Uh, so that'll be a huge shot in the arm for this defensive line if we can really create that depth there. Whereas the the, the freshman offensive line are being more groomed uh, for next year where we're expecting more attrition on the offensive line next year. The young defensive line are really being groomed for depth this year. Um, so the emergence of Tyler Davis and what he's able to do, you know, he's been called like, you know, Baby Grady Jarrett, Baby Dex, and I think his new nickname is the Fire Hydrant. Yeah, that, that's a great nickname from Sean Pollard. Um, that was that was awesome to hear. Uh, I hope that one sticks. We can continue to use that on this show. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what that means. Do dogs like to pee on him? No, it's uh, a really signifying that you can't really move a fire hydrant, even if the quote I believe from Sean Pollard was that even not even a car can move a fire hydrant. So. Um, Tyler Davis holding his own on the D line. Uh, I agree. I think another, I mean, I, I guess we want to keep it with freshman contributors. Uh, we're hearing a lot of good things about Sheridan Jones. He certainly had a really good spring camp and spring game. He showed out. Um, I think in the room, in the ensuing weeks after that, um, that's really when Darian Kendrick emerged and was really getting starter level uh, kind of recognition for his, um, I guess, prowess switching over sides of the ball there. Um, so I think, yeah, the cornerback position in particular is one that I want us to, be, to talk about here in terms of what we're reading. Uh, but Sheridan Jones looking good. I think the other big question is going to be five-star freshman who's just come on campus, Andrew Booth. Uh, any, any word coming out from Andrew Booth's progress, learning the defense, and establishing himself? You guys are red. Yeah, it sounds like he is doing well as far as uh, energy and like learning the the playbook for now, but he's still a little inconsistent. I think that's sort of a consistent theme across the the young guys on defense in general from Venables after they had their first scrimmage. Uh, it sounded like he was pretty happy with the overall effort, but that there were definitely some missed coverages and, and missed plays or um, guys who are not on the spots they were supposed to be um, at the right time. So th there's progress to be made, but generally it sounds like um, Andrew Booth and others are, are learning the playbook and getting better, but not quite ready to go yet. And I think the key is with both him and um, Tyler Davis is 
their immense talent can help mask some of those weaknesses and some of those mistakes. I think, especially so on the interior defensive line, because you're really there to, you know, be a bulldozer, uh, move move the pocket, plug up uh, holes, run gaps. Um, and then Andrew Booth, he's just so fast and physical and has just such tremendous instincts um, that even though he's still learning the system, the talent really helps overcome that. Now, for him to to gain the trust that uh, Brent Venables um, requires of these cornerbacks to, to throw them out there, uh, I think he still has a little bit of ways to go. And he's got to prove that he's able to handle those responsibilities, but the immediate returns are good. And it's also, again, to, to your point, Tully, it's great to have Sheridan Jones coming along because that's, you know, cornerback is an area um, kind of like the defensive line, interior defensive line, where depth is a bit of an issue, especially with, the, uh, with Kyler McMichael leaving, uh, which no one saw coming. Yeah, indeed. Um, we feel really strong about what A.J. Terrell is going to be giving us. And um, really the, the big question mark now is, will Darian Kendrick continue to, you know, earn that starter's role all the way through the beginning of the season. Um, seems like that's the case. And it is really nice to have a couple of true freshmen come in. Mario Goodrich, as a redshirt freshman, continued to develop there. Um, it seems like we're getting some of that depth that we talked about with Quacking Tiger in the offseason. The McMichael thing definitely hurts just in terms of a, another capable, high-talent body. Uh, but I guess you kind of got to ask yourself, like, if he if he transferred by not really having an angle at that second starter position, you know, what, I don't want to say that like what good would he have been on this team, but you know, you really want guys that are, that are willing to be here and willing to play their role. So, right. And that sounded like that was the issue with, with him. I think he complained a little bit about being picked on in practice, but I mean, man, you're playing for the best uh, college football team in the country. You're going to face adversity and guys are getting after it, trying to win your, and take your spot. And if you're not up to the challenge, then go to North Carolina. And he, Mac will take you. and he did. And Mac Brown will take you. Uh, he'll probably get some cool shoes, I guess. But, you know, not another ring. That's all good. Um, any other, I guess, developments from camp out of the defense? I mean, I think really the, the stuff we keep reading is just continued adoration for across the group. Uh, Isaiah Simmons took a pick to the house in the scrimmage. I think it was on the first play of the game. I'm not sure about that. but Or maybe it was that Trevor Lawrence connected with uh, T Higgins on the first play of the game. And then later Isaiah ran one back, but um, either way, Isaiah Simmons is definitely living up to his billing and he's poised for a monster year. Uh, Skalski continues to get articles written about how he's going to be an unheralded superstar this year uh, at the, the Mike position. So um, anyway, what I'm really curious about actually ongoing is what about the depth at linebacker? Um, we've got Chad Smith starting at the will position more likely than not. Uh, but, but after that, it's like, you know, really starting to see what, what we're going to get from incoming freshmen. Um, is Jake Venables, you know, going to contribute to this team this year, that sort of thing. Tough to read from camp initially. Uh, but that's, that's definitely something I think for when we talk about stopping the run, um, we're, we're really going to need a lot of good linebacker contribution as well um, as a strong front, as you guys mentioned. Yeah, well, especially with the with the attrition again of the defensive line, that's going to um, put more of a spotlight on your linebackers in in the run game because they're going to have to help out a little bit in an aspect. Uh, obviously, we lose our most of our starters from last year, but we get super talented guys as backups. You mentioned Mike Jones, Skalski, and Chad Smith. We also have Balen Specter, who we expect to contribute this year, and also 
of course, Jake Venables. Uh, from the freshmen, a couple of good developments there. Levanta Bentley and Keith McGuire really battling it out at the, at the will position. I think maybe people coming in had Levanta Bentley on their radar, maybe less so Keith McGuire, but they seem to be neck and neck. Both have really great instincts. Um, the future is definitely bright there. And then Kane Patterson, another freshman, has really had some flashes in camp at the mic position. So, again, you never know what these freshmen – it's early on in, in August camp. They can – if they don't hit a wall in August camp, it's certainly possible that they hit a wall some point in the season. Um, now, that is less of a concern in recent times given that our schedule and our opponents have been – week recently the ACC has certainly been down um, so that can mask that a little bit but you know you hear a lot of good things early on in fall camp the coaches are going to talk them up but it doesn't necessarily mean these freshmen are going to stick all the way through yeah it's going to be interesting this year with the depth at linebacker because they there are so many young freshmen and a couple sophomores that are contributing to that two deep three deep for the linebackers where we've got the front line that looks great uh, in Skalski, Smith, and Isaiah Simmons. Um, but the guys behind them are pretty much all freshmen and sophomores. So somebody's going to need to come in to fill in the depth there and to step up. And Ben, to your point, maybe it's a, a little bit of a rotation throughout the season. Maybe there's a few guys that play uh, the first few weeks and then take a red shirt and then guys that play at the end of the season and take a red shirt um, at, to fill that depth. But... There's uh, there's a lot of bodies that that Coach Venables is going to be able to throw at opposing teams, and we'll just have to see if anybody or who will stick throughout the season. Yeah, and linebacker is another one of those positions. Again, you can have all the talent in the world. You look at Shaq Smith, but he was never able to put it together between the years um, in, in learning that system and getting a good grasp on that system, and that held him back a little bit. I don't know if ultimately that was the reason why he transferred. I know uh, he went to Maryland. That's where he's from. He's got some connections there. The coach that came in at Maryland, um, I believe, was a coach of his, or he had good connections with when he when he was coming up. Um, but you know, that's a that's a prime example of five star guy coming in and just never really grasped the system. Whereas you could have a four star guy come in and it totally clicked between the years. Maybe not the most talented guy in the world, but you know, it, it's all about trust again at the linebacker position and. Um, just knowing your roles and knowing your assignments. You have to play really disciplined um, when you're a linebacker in the system. And as we're trying to uh, make up for the loss on the defensive line, again, the spotlight gets even brighter on, on uh, that second line of defense. Yeah, Ben, is your expectation, you mentioned Mike Jones Jr., is your expectation that he'll be able to spell Isaiah Simmons um, in the – I guess the nickel, nickel Sam spot. Um, I would anticipate still that Isaiah Simmons is going to see a lot of the field this year. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys, I think, that plays upwards 800, possibly even 900 snaps. Um, you know, even in the even in the past couple of years, specifically last year, where we have brought in a lot of second team guys early on second and 13 guys and they get a lot of playing time early on and, and later in games, obviously, as we start to pull away, um, there's still certain guys that you trust so much and you have a little bit less trust in the guys behind them. And I think Isaiah Simmons may be one of those guys this year, last year it was, uh, 
uh, AJ Terrell and Trayvon Mullen at the cornerback position. So I would expect to see that possibly with Isaiah Simmons being that guy this year. I think he's the one guy on the defense where I could specifically point to that he might log the majority of the snaps. He's also one of the most talented guys on the defense, and he is uh, orienting, orienting himself towards a first-round pick this year. Yeah, pretty great to see. Um, I feel like after Dorian O'Daniel, we were super spoiled with that position. And, you know, it, at first it looked like Isaiah Simmons, you know, was in over his head a little bit. This was in camp a year ago. Uh, he had a great season, you know, really grew into that role. Um, credit to the coach. Yeah, totally. And now he's ready to basically take that mantle and possibly exceed what we saw at Dorian O'Daniel that year, if, if that's even possible. So um, going to be amazing. Um, I'm not really sure looking across the rest of the defense that I see very many, you know, kind of position battles um, or two deep battles, but um, I guess that's maybe a, a, a moment for us to talk up just what we're getting out of the safety position and the tenure there and the leadership and the experience. Um, you've got Muse, you've got Wallace and you've got Turner who are going to be the big contributors there. I guess if Mike Jones isn't, you know, factoring into that Nicholas Sam position, he may end up also getting reps at the safety position. Uh, unless yeah, I have we, that wrong. We've got Denzel Johnson at, at safety as well, but the biggest thing with safety is that Kevon Wallace and Tanner Muse came back to give us that depth uh, that experience from those guys, they're both seniors. They both are ready to contribute at a really, really high level. And we didn't have to worry about replacing them. If we had Denzel Johnson and Nolan Turner as our starting uh, safeties, the depth would be a much bigger concern. Um, but, you know, the the fact that Kavon and Tanner Muse came back makes us not have to worry about it. And it means guys like Mike Jones aren't going to have to contribute at nickel or anywhere else. He can focus on being uh, the Sam behind Isaiah Simmons and just learn that role as much as he needs to. Yeah. Well, and another guy that we have at uh, the nickel Sam position too, you got to remember uh, freshman uh, Jalen Phillips uh, is a guy who's made a name for himself early on in camp. So that's a possibility there, but Sam, yeah, I, I totally agree. It was it was big for those guys to come back at safety. At least gives us one of these position groups on the field where we have two front line starters from last year and their backups, Johnson and Turner, are yeah. quality guys. So all four guys got significant snaps last year, and now they're just ready to they're ready to go straight yeah. out of the out of the beginning of camp. Yeah, so I, I think that's hugely important. Um, can we talk about some defensive ends here? <laughs> yeah, let's do I it. Mean, Xavier Thomas, uh, Logan Rudolph, Justin Foster. I mean, guys that aren't household names, at least not for the rest of the country. But, man, really excited to see what Xavier Thomas does this year. And you're hearing all these great things coming out of practice about Logan Rudolph. Um, and he could have a very significant impact this year. Um, the guys over at Tiger Illustrated compared him to David Pollock, which is very high praise. Um, and then, of course, behind them, you got K.J. Henry, former five-star, still a little tentative against the run. He needs to be able to cut it loose more, but all the talent in the world. Uh, ja Justin Maskell, uh, another guy. You know, in defensive end, though, we really don't have that class of freshmen that we really need to rely on. You know, we have talented guys coming in, but um, though we – there's not a lot of experience there. There, it's a handful of guys who have been on the, been in the system for a year or two, um, and of course have immense talent. Yeah, I mean, we it's the best. Keep getting, you know, keep reloading. We'll be living up to the reputation of the defensive end classes we've had in the last four seasons. I think so. Um, I think I'm okay with you know no marquee freshman names 
really coming out on that list thus far. Um, again, we, we hope for health there. And so we, we don't need those guys to come in and contribute. Um, and they could just, you know, again, get those late game snaps, start to build some experience, learn from uh, really a really solid kind of sophomore and returning redshirt freshman core um, at those positions. So uh, it, that is the embarrassment of riches on this defensive, you know, on this defense. Uh, you guys talked about the safety depth, but I think really it's the, the immense talent that's going on at, at the end position that um, I'm really excited about. And, and you know what? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I also think that um, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder about talking about the guys leaving. And, you know, they can come in and say, like, no one's expecting anything from us. Let's go ahead and show people we're, we're right, living right up to that standard. So I, I don't know. Totally. totally. I, th- I think guys like Justin Foster and Xavier Thomas are, are going to be driven to say, you know, we're just as good as Austin Bryant and, uh, and Cleland Furl from last year. We're ready to fill that hole without any drop-off. And there's so much talent between the, the three or four guys who are going to be fighting for, for key time at defensive end this year that there's a good chance that that is the case, right? Guys like Xavier Thomas, he showed flashes last year. He just didn't really get the snaps that you would need to be one of the premier defensive ends in the country, but the talent is clearly there. People, so people recognized him, though, especially after that hit on Dungey. Exactly. Exactly. He he had marquee plays, and had he had as many snaps as guys like Klee and Austin last year, he'd have had the numbers as well. And I think this year he's going to be looking to put up those numbers and really hold down the defensive end spot for the team. Well, you know, and good on him. You know, you had all those guys come back, I mean, for several of the defensive linemen, and that did not deter him whatsoever. He really bought into sitting behind them and learning. Um, and knew he was going to get a lot of playing time. You know what? When I, when I think about it now, it really might – uh, be a blessing in disguise that Paul Johnson left Georgia Tech because though I know Venables has had a good handle on that triple option uh, the past several years, we're, we'd be doing it this year for the first time with with more f- first-year starters uh, than I can recall in, in recent memory. So it might have not been such a, um, you know easy time, easy go of it here coming up in a couple weeks on Thursday. Definitely would have been a different look. Uh, Definitely a different approach for the for the defense when you're playing against the triple option, and now when you're playing against a triple option roster <laughs> that's yeah. not running the triple option, it it makes the game a little bit easier, probably. Yeah, they're trying to protect the passer. So, um, I guess guys like scouting this defense a little bit, and we certainly for our listeners will be doing a defensive preview show, an offensive preview show, and a season preview episode later in the month. Um, so stay tuned for that, but. Um, I guess if you guys think think ahead to our real first marquee test of the year, the Texas A&M game, um, Kellen Mond, what he showed last year, sort of that uh, when you when you when his offensive linemen are holding your defense and his receivers will catch damn near anything, like he had a great game. But um, is there any kind of position group, let's call it on the three levels of the defense, that you think A&M and Jimbo Fisher, from a scheme standpoint, are going to really test? Which aspect do you think is going to be you know, the most, most tested? I really think it might come down to the discipline of the linebackers. I think there's enough talent, um, but you know, it can have such a pivotal effect on the game, not only in being disciplined and stopping the run and holding your gaps, but also in coverage. Um, so how they mix it up there, where these guys' eyes are going, if they keep their eyes trained on what they should be looking at. I think, um, and again, this is injuries aside, uh, but I think the immense talent, the first-line talent at, at cornerback um, we'll be just finding coverage there. We mentioned the the experience with the safeties and 
so much talent on the defensive line. Um, so I really think it may be the linebackers. Yeah, Ben, I agree. I think the the secondary play from the safeties in the corners is going to be strong enough that the deep ball threat that we saw mostly from Mond last year uh, isn't going to be as big of a concern this this season. But the intermediate routes and the scrambling from Kellen Mond, uh, where the linebackers have to step up and make plays and kind of balance the the their positioning between those intermediate passing routes and whether or not Mond is going to scramble and, and run at them is going to be the biggest question mark. Luckily, we have Isaiah Simmons and Skalski and uh, you know guys who know what they're doing at that linebackers in those linebacker spots. But I think that's going to be the toughest thing uh, for the team defensively against AM. Yeah, good shout. Well, uh, good stuff on the defense. Obviously, plenty of movement there. That's why we started first. Uh, let's move to the offense. All right. So Clemson returns, what is it, guys? Nine starters on offense, nine of the 11. Uh, we saw Mitch Hyatt uh, go out to the league. And um, unfortunately, Hunter Renfro pour one out. Uh, so a lot of guys coming back, a lot, lot of household names, a lot of known names for Clemson. Uh, what I want to talk about is actually which guys on this offense uh, are fans aware of that you expect to take a leap forward this year, um, whether at a different position. And for me, the name that's sticking out there the most is going to be DeAndre Overton. Uh, he has, I think earned and received um, a lot of praise from the coaching staff on his approach to this season. And I think you can potentially, you're not going to be able to extract that from the injury that beset Amari Rogers. Uh, but DeAndre Overton has definitely committed himself to uh, coming in, learning a new position. You guys know he was in the, the boundary receiver position and he's coming in to really step up and play the slot, not a typical uh, assignment for his body type or really his skill. Uh, coming into this year. So to hear their praise of that transition by him, I think speaks a lot to like his preparation and maturity and also his talent. And um, you know, really look forward to what he can do from a speed standpoint, because uh, we got, you know, while Hunter Renfro isn't the, sh- the fastest guy, um, he definitely outran the entire South Carolina secondary uh, in years past. So we'll, I'd like to see what Overton's high speed is, I guess. Well, and I, and I think with Overton, you know, he's a guy who also considered a transfer, but really stuck in there and decided to come back and, and become the best player that he can be for this football team. And I think it's going to serve him well moving forward. You mentioned all the praise that he's been getting from the coaches. I'm really expecting a breakout year from him. And I, I think a little bit of a blessing in disguise is Mario Rogers going down, although we know he'll come back. And of course, we're not glad he got hurt. Uh, but can you imagine, you know, we don't need to talk about T. Higgins and Justin Ross here quite yet because we know what we get out of them. But think about that three, six, four guys on the field at the same time. And you throw in Jalen Lay at tight end, and if he's able to come along at, at six, five, I mean, how do you cover that? Like, who covers that? And then if you do cover that, what do you do with Travis Etienne? He's gone. Yep, you, you don't cover it, I think, is the answer, which is why this offense is going to be terrifyingly awesome. Um, and I think, for me, Tully, I really like – the Overton pick, but the guys that are in kind of the two deep spots are probably the ones that I, I would go to that are going to get a little bit more name recognition and, and pop a little bit more offensively. We know ETN Higgins Ross Overton's a really good call out because he would technically be that second string behind Amari. Once Amari's healthy, assuming 
he comes back fully ready to go. But I think Lin J. Dixon is somebody who's going to really pop. He's going to get all those carries that uh, Feaster didn't Feaster got last year. And we'll see if his efficiency can, can stay as high as it was last season. Cause he was averaging uh, about as many yards per carry as, as ETN was. He was averaging about a football field to carry. It was, it was amazing. Um, it's a terrifying combination between him and ETN because when either one of them touches the ball, there's like a 50% chance that they break it for 20 plus yards or, or more. Um, so I think that's, that's one that really could, we could see a lot more performance from, from last season. And part of that is, you know, the depth chart changing with, with Feaster's transfer, but, um, it's just, there's more, there's more carries to go around this season. Yeah, I think Cornell Powell is another guy, if we're talking about kind of under-the-radar guys, another guy who's been here forever. Um, he ended up redshirting last year after an injury. You could see him get some time uh, returning kicks, and um, he's going to be an impact as a wide receiver this year as well. Um, we're hearing a lot of good things coming out of camp about him. So I, I think between him and Overton, I am just I'm so impressed by these two guys, really talented guys coming out of high school, high expectations on this team, and they've really battled through it all with a with immense talent around them. And you got guys, you know, you got Joseph Nagat and Frank Latson coming in this year too that are going to be right on their heels uh, vying for playing time. Um, but it just, those guys have elevated their game because of that, and that's the mindset you want out of these players, and that's why Clemson has been so successful. Yeah, I mean, truly the rich do get richer on the receiving core. Um, Frank Ladson looks like he'll be out for two to three more weeks uh, with, I believe he had a, a knee scope. Did, uh, they, did they confirm that? Dabo was thinking that he might be ready to go against Georgia Tech. I don't I yeah, he, he may be back for the Georgia Tech game. He said it was a lot like what Christian had done before last season, um, and they just cleared out some stuff out of his knee, apparently. Yeah. So I think obviously we've hit another home run with these two freshman wide receiver, but I specifically when I talk about Joseph Nagata, man, everything we're hearing, it just keeps getting better and better every day. And don't be surprised as he leaves as what will be considered the best wide receiver in Clemson football history. And that is saying a lot with Ross on the team, Higgins on the team, uh, Sammy Watkins, New Copkins, Mike Williams, Hunter Renfro, throw him man, out. Man, that's a good list. Yeah, you know, I mean, think about that. Um, so just to hear the things that we're hearing about Nagata right now, I just, it, it, it amazes me every year that we just keep pulling in all this talent and every year when they come in, like this guy was more ready than Mike Williams when he was his junior year. I'm like, how the hell is that even possible? <laughs> I mean, you, you ask yourself though, if you're a, you know, high caliber wide receiving prospect, where else are you going to go? Like, what well, who else are you going to throw the ball to you? Yeah, nobody else in college football today. So um, awesome like, to see our California Trevor, guys. Trevor. Trevor Lawrence could throw a mediocre wide receiver into an NFL draft pick. He could throw him open into a draft pick. Um, he's that good. So yeah, why wouldn't you want to come here? Good question. But um, man, the, the Rich. I mean, it's, it's cliche, but it's happening right in front of our eyes. We keep getting richer at that position. And we're not even mentioning guys like TJ Chase, who ought to have a big impact this year. Um, you know? So Will, Will Sweeney? Will, Will Sweeney. Junior year, big junior year. He's been there saying good things about him. And then read an article today on Tiger Illustrated saying, 
expect good things out of Brandon Spector, um, the freshman wide receiver this year, brother of the brother, right? Of Balin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I'm in awe at this wide receiver position and, you know, kudos to Jeff Scott, um, for all he does as a wide receivers coach, um, and recruiter. Um, Ben, there are a couple other running backs that are freshmen coming in looking to solidify their position. I guess I'm not sure if they'd be competing for the third spot on the depth chart uh, with Rencher, but uh, certainly we can use the help from a pass protection standpoint and possibly um, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, it's Mikey Dukes, and who's the other guy? Uh, Chesma Lucy. Uh, so running back depth is probably my biggest concern on offense because, well, there's nothing else to be concerned about, really. Um, you losing Adam choice, uh, he goes from last year and then obvious ta- uh, obviously Tavian Feaster moving to South Carolina for some unknown reason. Um, you're left with your, your two experienced returners in ta- uh, and Travis Etienne, who is all world. He should expect to see his carries go up this year, even though I still expect that we rotate guys in the backfield a lot to keep everybody uh, fresh. But Lynn J Dixon, of course, you talked about him, but Mikey Dukes, from what we're hearing, he might have a good chance to uh, to slip into that third spot if everything we're hearing um, is correct. You know, they're saying you know, not quite the same as Etienne and Lindsey Dixon, who were like three stars under the radar, signed them way late in the process. We did the same thing with Mikey Dukes. He wasn't really heralded um, just because of the level of competition that he faced in college. Like South Carolina really didn't even pay him much mind, but you know, I, I think this is a, a huge win again, um, uh, you know, picking up one of these running backs. And it sounds like he may be the real deal. He's not going to have the same burst and explosiveness coming onto the scene that you've seen from ETN and Lynn J. Dixon. But he could stand to uh, make a pretty significant, fairly significant contribution this year for a freshman running back. And the good thing that you hear both out of him and Ches Malusi, who is who's right in there, too, is that they're not afraid to get in there and mix it up and, and pass, uh, and, and pass uh, protection. Uh, which is huge because that's something that ETN obviously that's part of his game. He needs to continue to work on. And the same thing with Lynn J Dixon. Oh, and the other thing I'll say about these two new freshman running backs is apparently their hands are amazing and they're going to be a threat out of the backfield more so than we've seen in recent years to the Clemson football team. Mikey Dukes, former point guard for his high school basketball team has apparently has great hands, um, really a great ability to get his body to turn and square up to a ball. Uh, and, and get it and run with it. So that's been a missing piece of the Clemson offense the past couple of years. So it'd be exciting to see that come back, see some more re- wheel routes, wheel routes. Sam, I'm not sure about you. I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of explosiveness for a guy that's going to be in there and keeping Trevor Lawrence upright. Absolutely. Ben just answered my questions that I was going to ask, which was, is anyone showing progress on being that, that pass blocking running back that we've, struggled to find in past years um and is there anyone who can catch out of the backfield and if dukes and malusi are those guys then you know if one of them can develop into a guy who's consistently doing either one of those two things one or the other or both that just adds an entirely new dimension that we really haven't had in a few seasons um and field blocking too yeah absolutely well, and I think there's a there's a difference between I'll caution on that. There's a difference between willing to mix it up in pass blocking and being good at it and knowing how to do it and knowing how to do it within the system. So that's still yet to be seen, but it's good to hear that they have that mentality. 
Yeah, I mean, they're not they're not really big guys. We don't really have any big running backs. Uh, Dukes is 5'11", 190 coming in as a freshman, which is pretty good size for a freshman. Uh, and Malusi is six foot one seventy five, so he's got the height, but he doesn't have the uh, the bulk yet. So if either of them can can add a little bit of weight, get up to that 200, 205, 210, where uh, ETN's been the last couple seasons, and they can put some some beef behind that blocking, that would be a huge thing for for this offense because we need somebody who's willing to to mix it up. Yeah, between them and ETN, they kind of need to meet each other in the middle. EPN, yeah, I think ETN could stand to shed five pounds, and I think he's there. Um, what else was I going to say um, about those running backs? Oh, Ches Malusi. Um, I, I think he runs bigger uh, than his frame would suggest. And then Mikey Dukes, uh, really, they were really impressed. Coaches were really impressed with how much bulk he put on in a very short amount of time over the summer and he came into camp uh in, in impressive shape cool uh well all the skill position players i think are you know continuing to impress uh we expected that coming in good to have a f- what little questions we had sort of start to get some answers against them um, i think now let's pivot it to the offensive line where we're expecting some of the best talent and the most depth and the most experience that we've had for quite some time However, uh, there still are some question marks. We got a couple of guys shifting their position around the line and really figuring out what does that too deep iron out at, including the tackle positions. So um, anything you guys are reading regarding pecking order on the O-line? Well, I think in general, we can kind of gloss over the front line starters there because we have so much experience. And even the too deep has a good bit of experience. I think it's more about the freshmen coming in. I will say, though, John Simpson, I, I think, is going to be really play himself into a high draft pick this year, and good for him coming back. Um, I think he's been incredible. I think he's been eating up Tyler Davis occasionally, which is uh, probably pretty hard to do. Um, as far as another returner that could stand and make an impact this year is redshirt freshman tackle uh, Jordan McFadden. You're hearing a lot of good things um, out of him. Um, what he lacks kind of is in size. He makes up for in great leverage, but... I think it really comes down to looking at these young, uh, the freshman offensive linemen this year and who we think may get playing time. And as I mentioned previously, for the offensive linemen, it's more about grooming them and getting them experience for next year. And I think two of those guys, um, probably out of the four that we, the, the main four that we brought in, that Will Putnam uh, working out at right guard and Hunter Rayburn probably going to be a center. Those are probably the two best candidates to get significant playing time this year and maybe avoiding a red shirt. You got guard Caleb uh, Botang and center Mason Trotter in there as well. Maybe they get one of those four-game deals and, and take a red shirt, but um, they're not going to be relied on uh, to provide significant snaps and minutes this year, injuries uh, notwithstanding, but it would be good for them and advantageous moving into next year for, for us to see some get, for them to get experience and us to see some development. I think in terms of aspects of this, this offense and what we know Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott are, are hoping to get done, um, any questions stand out to you guys as far as what we'll be looking for in those first couple of weeks? Any concerns? Um, how fast can we get Chase Bryce and Tyson Pumachan in the game? Because I know what Trevor Lawrence can do. I want to keep him healthy and upright. Um, be the first guy ever to win a Heisman, only playing two quarters per game average during the season. But uh, I think more so, I want to see Tyson Pumachan come in and play. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see more reps from from the second and third string guys as early as possible. 
the Georgia Tech game will probably see a fair amount from those guys. I think the AM game will be an interesting test to see if, uh, especially defensively, we can get our guys in there a little bit earlier than than you might expect because um, they're a strong offensive team. And Kellen Mond is, you know, going to be one of the better quarterbacks in, in college football this year, probably. So if we can get him uh, playing against our second and third string guys and they can hold their own, that's going to be a really good sign for later in the year. Yeah, and, and I think one other thing there to look at on the offense, too, we haven't quite mentioned yet, is the tight end position. Not so much to talk about Jalen Lay. They're trying to fast track him. Um, really talented freshman uh, tight end. Davis Allen, another a big body guy coming in as a freshman. He hasn't practiced yet because he's been injured. But don't sleep on J.C. Chalk, uh, the, the, the senior tight end. He's uh, your kind of de facto starter with Braden Galloway being suspended uh, for this year up until the, to the playoffs. But uh, J.C. Chalk, apparently a guy who has kind of turned the corner and he, he looks like a different or a better version of himself coming into the season. So don't be surprised if uh, you hear his name some more. Yeah, tight end, definitely an open question mark when you look at this offense. We'll certainly get into that a bit in our offensive group preview episode. Um, One name I do want to go back to the O-line and talk through a bit, because I haven't really seen his name mentioned much in any of the reporting, uh, is Jackson Carmen. And I think when you do think ahead to Texas A&M, they recruit at a really high level. Uh, They've got some guys coming back. And just from a pass rush standpoint, we've been so blessed and I guess spoiled by having Mitch Hyatt there. Um, he's been just the, you know, so many, st- so many starts across his career that um, it will be a transition, obviously going into Jackson Carmen. Um, coaches seem to be pretty pleased with where his weight has landed. That's about the only thing I've heard so far though. Yeah. I think it's just eat less Zaxby's. Um, that is so hard though. It is hard. I don't blame him. Um, but yeah, I think with him, it's just really, um, that mature, his maturity level, keep developing there and getting his mindset right and keeping his weight down. But, you know, if he's able to do that, he's going to be a better left tackle. Um, in the end, he's going to be better than Mitch Hyatt. Yeah. I think too, you really do have some leaders on this offensive line that, um, I know Ben, you're not necessarily suggesting anything is different with his maturity level other than like the attitude he brings on Twitter and that kind of stuff, which I love. But well, he was 18 uh, last year. He's 19 this year. I mean, yeah. just you know, make that progression from an 18 to 19 year old. <laughs> Not asking for him to become a full fledged, you know, 40 year old adult. Um, although a lot of these kids on this team act mature way beyond their years. It's I'm so impressed by that. But no, you just want to see that progression. It's not a knock on the kid. He's a kid, and he's he's got all the talent uh, in the world. He just needs to continue to put it together. Absolutely. Um, so offense stuff's looking great. Um, we, we have had some nuggets coming out on the special team side. BT Potter has a stranglehold on the place kicking job. Curious what that means for whether or not he'll be fielding uh, the kickoffs. Obviously, he's got a, he boomed it throughout last year as a freshman, um, playing that primary role. So good to see him. You know, again, remove any question, remove all doubt the place kicker position. Um, but yeah, special teams. Field position, again, our hope is that Clemson's averaging in the 50s on offense and field position be damned. But again, against elite playoff-level opponents, I think that that matters quite a bit, which I guess brings us to the punter guys. And this is probably one of the more, maybe not watched by your average fan, but certainly watched by me and some of the diehards. 
what goes on at punter like i think we were after having recruited aiden swanson to come in i think we were all a little surprised to see um spires be our uh de facto starter on the spring too deep um at his position so i don't know what are we what are we hearing about punter i think he's there with seniority um maybe the main contributing factor there but Dabo said that he's had a really good August camp here. Um, and I'll have to see it to believe it, I guess. But in, you know, as with most things, I trust what Dabo has to tell me. Um, I think the game plan is just don't punt. Yeah. It's kind of a, a smaller concern until we get into the later stages of the season anyway, but it was definitely surprising to see will at the top of the, the depth chart. Um, you know, because we you'd hope if you're recruiting a, a punter that that guy's going to be able to step in and take over for a guy who has not been stellar. Um, really interesting, too. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, maybe maybe he takes over a la Trevor Lawrence last season uh, after three or four games. And we'll yeah, see. Will Spire transfers to Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine we'll have as much national press over that as we did Kelly. So definitely at least as much, maybe mm-hmm. two or three times more. You think, that, such a big deal. You think yeah. we give Will Spires a, a ring? Uh, he, if he's not on the team, he doesn't get a ring. Okay. Well, listen, let's not. Will, yeah. go out there and do your thing. Just kick the ball high in the air and kick it far. Hopefully it doesn't have to, have to happen that often uh, because we're scoring so much. But in all seriousness, between Potter kicking off and putting it in the back of the end zone and the development of Will Spires um, becoming a better punter, that's going to have more of an impact on this team this year with the attrition on the on the defense all around than it did last year. Again, last year we put in some second team Dean Lyman early in the game. The opposing offense would cross midfield. We put in the first string guys and they would stop them stone cold. We don't have that luxury this year, so the field position battle is going to have more of an impact on our games this year. Yeah, and I think that takes us to the other aspect of special teams. I'm not talking about kick coverage or punt coverage, but more so the return game. And I think with Amari Rogers being out, at least for the first, call it five weeks of the season uh, that we know about, that does open up some opportunity there. And I think that's where you look to a guy like Cornell Powell to continue to step up and play a role. I believe he was on, he swapped in kickoff return duties last year. Yeah, he was returning kicks. Uh, Darren Kendrick's going to have a big part in that this year but I, I still tend to think unless it's a clear opportunity that Clemson's going to play it safe get the ball put it in your offense's hands don't take too many chances yeah I think until Amari's back that's probably going to be the main approach it's just make sure you hold on to the ball get us a couple yards if if it's there and if not especially on punt return just play it safe catch it and the offense will take care of the rest maybe we should just have Trevor just cut out the middleman. let Trevor receive the punts he's already out there ready to go then yeah there you go <laughs> I, I got nothing for that brilliant suggestion um <laughs> i'm here all night telly perfect well yeah i mean that's a that's a camp update any other i guess i do want to maybe pivot this from uh, a twitter poll i saw um, into a question for you two which is uh, we talk a lot about the freshmen on this show so far. Certainly a bright future for a lot of those guys, even as true freshmen, even as fresh on campus guys to make a contribution. Um, let's pivot this a bit. I want to shout out at Rockdale Tiger. 
uh, who basically said, "Who?" the question being, who do you see as your pick for the late bloomer award this year, a fourth year or fifth year senior uh, who really starts to establish themselves? I'm going to call this the Kevin Dodd Memorial Award. Um, Sam, I'm going to start with you. Uh, okay, so I think we already touched on one that, that's going to need to step up a lot, and that's De- uh, DeAndre Overton. And I think he's going to have a good chance in the slot uh, to, to come into that new role, which could be pretty interesting. Um, but the one that I'm going to go with that, you know, we've heard his name a lot as part of the 2D historically, um, but Jamie Skalski, uh, he's a redshirt junior, so it's his fourth season, not a senior yet, but I think he's going to have to play such a huge role in the defense that uh, if he doesn't step up and, and be that late bloomer, then the defense could potentially struggle a little bit more than we expected. So I'm going to go with Skalski. I'm going to go with Overton. I, I really think you're going to see him step up this year and flourish. Um, again, he's... He's aiming towards an NFL. He has aspirations toward, toward an NFL future. Um, and again, the fact that he's stuck in there, his head's in the right place, and he has the mentality to keep improving on himself and be the best version of himself that he can be, I, I think that's really going to pay dividends for him this year. Great picks. I think we, we already know what we're going to get from those two, and we have, we have high hopes. Uh, in the poll, I answered Chad Smith. I actually think uh, he will embrace this opportunity in this role. Uh, but one that was actually proposed that I, I'm actually hoping for the most is going to be Xavier Kelly. Uh, he is shifting yeah, over from good point. and to D tackle. Uh, he was a very highly regarded recruit coming out of Kansas, right, Ben? Yep. Uh, be, be amazing to have two dudes from Kansas making elite plays on this defense with Isaiah Simmons. Um, but yeah, Xavier Kelly bulked up and uh, is looking looking strong. So he could be the dark horse for this award. Yeah, there's another guy. I think we got a true freshman from Kansas, too, um, coming in this year. Um, you know, I, I think one other under-the-radar pick, um, I really want to see the Tigers step it up this year and actually start doing some man push-ups. I know it's hard when we're scoring so much, but you'd think over the course of the season you would build up that strength and stamina. So Tiger got to pick it up. I mean, it just seemed like it was Jim Barker in that suit all last year. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, can we get some type of a cross promotion with the podcast? We can nominate a listener to uh, wear the tiger suit. I'm sure it's a very actually highly competitive uh, mascot situation going on on campus. But yeah, we need to we need to conduct tryouts, Ben. We're going to delegate that to you. You're on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm right on top of it. Uh, very good. Well, that is our camp wrap, at least uh, at this point of the offseason. Uh, before we wrap the show, I guess also taking place right now is NFL preseason. And, uh, you know, not to get into any specific matchups or how guys are doing in their, their quest for a starting or at least a, a naming to the 65 man rosters across the NFL, but it's just amazing, guys. I'm not watching, I'm kind of casually paying attention to the NFL preseason right now, but. Um, to see all these matchups taking place, you pretty much have to struggle to find a game without Clemson Tigers in it at this point, uh, which is amazing to see. It, yeah. it is. It's fantastic. It's everywhere you look, there's at least one guy uh, in the game, pretty much. Um, the ones that are, are going to be the heavy matchups, unfortunately, I don't think we get to see the, uh, the Texans and the Raiders play this year, but that would be... They the do that, play in Houston. Oh, do they? Yeah. Lovely. That's like half half Clemson players that game. 
Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. But there's guys scattered throughout the league. There's guys up in New York with uh, the guys that were recently drafted, and Ray Ray McLeod is over in, in Buffalo. There's guys down in L.A. with the Chargers. There's guys in Florida with Klee. There's guys literally spread throughout the entire country. Um, and it's just it's really cool to be able to go into the box score, especially in these preseason games where the guys that are still struggling to crack the depth chart a little bit are getting a little bit more playing time. And you see guys uh, getting tackles and pass defenses and you know receptions that they uh, they're they're working their way into the league and working their way up the depth chart. It's it's really cool to watch. Yeah. Um, well, first off, what's our reaction if Trayvon Mullen intercepts Deshaun Watson? I'm I'm gonna have to go a positive reaction okay. for me. You don't ca- you don't count Raiders. <laughs> Fine. I just I'm just Deshaun answering the question. You're you're too biased. Then Deshaun throws picks. We've known this forever. It's all good. He throws more touchdowns than picks. They'll they'll be able to deal with it. And yeah, how about good? How about this? Deshaun throws the pick. Trayvon tries to return it, and Deshaun clobbers him. And Nuke picks yeah. up the fumble. Yeah, Nuke, Nuke gets <laughs> the fumble. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, Sam, to your point, you know, it's, it's how I used to keep track of Clemson players in the, in the past is I go through all the games and I go into the box scores of the teams that I know um, have Clemson players on it. And now, man, I'm just looking to check every game. Now. I'm it's looking at every track of. game. It is so hard to keep track of all of them, especially the guys on defense, right? Um, it's not as stat focused unless you're racking up a bunch of sacks or interceptions, but across the board, so many tigers, multiple tigers on the same team. Um, I feel bad for Trey Lamar getting injured, um, being cut by the Lions. I think their plan is to bring him back on. They just had to clear some space, but I think he'll be out for the year. Mitch Hyatt struggled a little bit um, for the Dallas Cowboys in his opening game. Um, but to see Klee and Hunter Rimfro get named to the f- first team for the Oakland Raiders, Trayvon's second team. Um, you know, saw Raymond McLeod getting some catches. Artavis Scott got into the game for San Diego, battling back from injury. So, Man, I mean, it's the the list is way too long. Um, yeah, and but you know what? It makes the NFL more exciting for me now, and I know what my fantasy team is going to be comprised of. All Clemson players. It really does make the fantasy draft a lot easier and uh, a lot less effective because we're way too biased. Yeah, I'm going to be the only one in the country to draft Hunter Renfro number one. I doubt his wife, his parents probably don't even do that if they're smart. I'm not that smart though. Dude's going to be a stud, though. We were actually talking about this. Uh, Sam, I believe you and I had this discussion. Uh, would you be surprised or content if the ceiling of Hunter Renfro's NFL career was Wes Welker? Yeah, we did talk, talk about it uh, at the event on Friday. And I think that would be a great uh, bar for him to hit. You know, if he's if he's having the same career as Wes Welker, he's not necessarily a Hall of Famer, but he's borderline Hall of Famer. Like there's a there's at least a conversation to be had. Um, and you know, if you can get a couple of rings along with that and help the Raiders become better, then I'm a, I'm a big fan of that outcome. Uh, but you know, if if he's a multi-time Pro Bowler and heavy contributor every single season of his career, that's that's a fantastic career. Guys, just think five years from now, we could have Deshaun, War- uh, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, DJ Uyunglele, um, along with nice. 
along with Nuke and Hunter and Simi Watkins and T. Higgins and Justin Ross and Frank Ladson and Justin Nagata, all, Mike Williams, all these guys in the yeah. league. Yeah, and it's just like inevitable that like Deshaun or Trevor Lawrence or DJ is going to be hooked up with one of these wide receivers. Like Clemson's not only taking over the college football world, taking over the NFL world. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's um, just getting started because the recruiting classes are just now starting to max out. It's huge. Like we say at the beginning of the show every week, life is good uh, if you're a Clemson Tiger fan. So uh, why don't we wrap it there, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we had a, a show earlier, published earlier in the week, actually this morning. Uh, we encourage you all to go and check out. That was an interview with Shaking the Southland writers, Ryan uh, and Tom. Uh, so check, check out that interview. Like we've mentioned throughout the show, we're going to have a number of additional shows come up before the Georgia Tech game, um, including offensive and defensive previews and uh, a season preview as well. So uh, looking forward to getting that in. We'll dig up Cody. We don't know where he is. Uh, he's around somewhere. I'm going to I'm gonna plan. Cody, is. Uh, he's got a lot going on right now. Um, he's got some, uh, some personal uh, uh, relationship exciting we anticipate stuff uh, not to mention uh he just got a new house uh so he's got some he's got some things going on but i think he's gonna be back with me next week i think him and i are gonna plan to do a show um so he'll be around and you know this is that time of year too we get a lot of new listeners brand new football season um so just a shout out to everybody make sure if you, uh, you reach out to us at clemson podcast facebook or twitter clemson podcast at gmail.com we really have we appreciate and we encourage interaction if you have questions or topics you think we should talk about um and then tully how can they uh, subscribe to us where should they go yeah um any app that you are inclined to listen to a podcast on um if you use an iphone my favorite app is called overcast uh, they allow you to listen to a show at multiple different speed levels it's just a lot easier to manage your whole library of shows that you like to listen to. So plus one to Overcast. But if you're using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, some people use Last FM for podcasts or Spotify. You should be able to find us on all of those platforms. Podbean's a thing, apparently. Podbean, people are into that. So um, really, any we publish to every and all uh, podcast platforms out there. Um, but yeah, please do engage with us. Uh, ben pretty much mans the Facebook account. I'm on the Twitter account. So uh, holler at us there. And to Ben's earlier point, like, let us know how you found out about the podcast. Uh, we definitely appreciate any and all listener interaction. Um, and we want to talk about what you, what you want to hear. So please let us know about that. Um, last thing I'll say, really encourage everyone who likes the show to go over to iTunes um, on apple.com slash iTunes, or just if you have that physical app uh, on your computer, or I believe you can do this on your phone, but please do leave us a review for the show. Uh, we that is how new people find us is searching for podcasts and Clemson and uh, a good review allows us to be found. So we do appreciate that. Um, well, with that, please do subscribe up to us so you don't miss any of our preseason content coming up. And as always go Tigers. <laughs>